Christ. Uh, it looks like everybody left. Yeah, we lost. <laughs> everybody left we the holidays, man. <laughs> One day this room is full, and next day it's half empty. You hear an echo in here. So. Y'all got it up? Okay, no. All right, guys, we're uh, we're gonna get started. We're gonna be in Second Timothy chapter two. If you want to turn over there, uh, if you're watching us online, we're extremely grateful that you uh, that you've chosen to come our way. I know if. Uh, we're, and I don't know if they're watching this morning or not. But we're going to give them a shout out. Uh, Ken Kellerman is at home and recovering. And uh, and and from what I know of Llewellyn, Llewellyn says she watches every Sunday morning. So if you're watching Llewellyn and Ken, we, we're we're glad glad you're getting better, and uh, and hope you enjoy the class. Uh, I don't have anything really. Uh, we had a good we had a good uh, men's breakfast yesterday. We had about twenty so or so showed up. It was good. Uh, so uh, we had a, we had a good time. So. Uh, I don't know of anything else. I know that there's a couple of a uh, couple of people in the hospital. I know Jim Jackson's sister had a stroke yesterday. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. We're not sure, uh, but she's pretty much out of it. You know, pretty much at this point. At least last night when I talked to him. So, and uh, and also Glenn Doris is in is in intensive care in at DTAR, and he would like to have get visitors. So, and you can go to DTAR, and you can go in there. And go visit him if you want, and they'll let you in there. They'll, they will let you in. Between 9 and 6, they will let you in. So, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. I have no clue. Your dad gets cancer. No, I did not. Okay. All right. He did a lot of pain. Okay. And, uh, so anyway, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Okay? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We pray your blessings upon our class as we as we go through this text. Help us, Father, to learn and grow. Help us, Father, to be mindful of, of what you're going to tell us this morning so that we can apply these things to our lives. Father, we want to be the people that we're supposed to be. And, and we, we realize it's going to take work. And it's going to take effort on our part. We pray, Father, that you give us the strength to do that. Father, as we worship this morning, we ask that, that uh, you'd be with us. And that our worship will go up to you as a sweet aroma. That you will be pleased with us. And where you're not, that you'll fix those things in our lives and help us to help us to, to write those things so that we can be the very best we can be. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Be, be with our family, parts of our family that are not with us this morning, uh, that are that are traveling or and for the holiday. We pray you your blessings upon them. And uh, and we thank you, Father, that uh, uh, that those of us here, we're here and have the opportunity to worship this morning. Thank you for your son. Thank you for what he means to us, and thank you for uh, for what he did for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Second Timothy chapter two. Uh, Paul Paul is in is in jail, and Paul is in jail because of the gospel. Now, I want I want to clarify for you so you know understand what we're talking about here. This whole text is about the message that's being taught. And whether it's true or not, whether it's right or not, and what does it mean, okay? Paul said, I'm in change. He said, but the word of God you cannot change. You cannot chain it up. And what we what we have here is Paul absolutely knows that the gospel is everything. The gospel is, is not, we've always taught the gospel, well, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the culmination of the gospel, guys. The gospel is the, set, the, the plan of salvation that got instituted to get us to where we are. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It culminates and it's finalized because of the death, burial, and resurrection. Absolutely. 
Without that, there is no gospel. There is no good news. But if you look all the way back into Genesis, and you read all the way back through Genesis and through through all these prophets and all these things, and it says in First Timothy, I mean First Peter, chapter two, I believe, or chapter one, it says the prophets that wrote these things, they long to understand what you know. They long to understand what you have at your fingertips. They long to understand the times and the circumstances which the Spirit was pointing them when they were writing these things. They didn't understand. They were writing things. Think about it. Isaiah's writing in Isaiah 53. Do you think he understood what he's talking about? He's talking about a, a he's talking about a sheep being led to slaughter, being beaten with many stripes. He didn't have a clue. When Job says, when Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, he doesn't understand the context of that. He says it, and he understands that, but he doesn't understand what that's going to mean down the road. It tells us in, in first, I mean, Second Timothy that he is a descendant of David. I had somebody ask me the other day after class, said, what does that really mean? It means that he has humanity. Along with his deity, he has humanity. Okay? He is of the seed line of David. All right? That's what it said. And so, when, and as David's been made promises and promises that this is coming, and we stand here and we sit here today and we get to worship today because that gospel is a reality. Okay? And we get to benefit from it. He tells us. Paul tells us. He tells Timothy. He tells us. He said, this is not a game, guys. Too many people in our society today make this into a game. Church is not a game. Church is, is about me falling in line with Christ, me aligning my life with Him, and me listening to what He tells me and then applying those things to my life. That's what the gospel is about. That's what the good news is about. I have the opportunity to have that. Okay? On my own, I'm done. Only with Him do I have that opportunity. So, we're going to pick it up. In chapter two, and we're gonna—I'm gonna read verse eight. We looked at that last week, and I promise we're gonna do more than one verse this week. I promise. I promise. We'll do more than one verse, you know. But he tells us right off, remember Jesus, and I and I think, you know, I want just to re, just to to go back and review this. I think it's extremely important, guys, for us to always remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Okay, Jesus understands. And longs for you to understand him. Alright? And we have to remember that Jesus is the reason that we look forward to what's coming down the road. Jesus is the one that can empathize and sympathize with us when we have those struggles in our lives. Okay? So we remember him. And him resurrected from the grave. Okay? Resurrected from the tomb. And then he's a descendant of David. And then in, in verse 9 he says, he said, that gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. It had, wasn't chained then, and it's not chained now. People will try to do that. People will try to override and undermine the gospel, the truth of the gospel. They'll try to teach another gospel. Galatians chapter 1, I believe, says, If any other, someone else teaches another gospel, let him be accursed. Even if an angel preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. There is only one gospel. There is only one plan of salvation. There's only one plan by, by God to save men, mankind, and that's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That was instituted before time began. He instituted that plan. Okay? Now, so when you look at this and you say, okay, how important then is the gospel to me? Well, look at what he, he tells Timothy. He said, unless you're willing to, to attack it like a soldier, an athlete, or a farmer, and all those dynamics, if you're, if you're not willing to get on board, not willing to be to obey the the rules that he puts in place, and not not uh, afraid to march at his command, he said. Then that's what you got to do. And then he says, 
He said, uh, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul was enduring the punishment and the humiliation of being, of being in jail for teaching the truth. That's why he was in jail. He wasn't, he wasn't subver subversive. He wasn't an anarchist. He wasn't trying to overthrow governments. He was just teaching the life-saving message that Jesus Christ died and rose on the third day. And that if you follow him, you can have salvation. That's all he was teaching. That's what he was teaching. Go look at what he says. Go look at everything he writes. Go look, go look at when he writes the, the letter to the church at Rome, in the book of Romans, and look at what he wrote. He's not being subversive. He's not being an anarchist, any of that stuff. He is, he is striving to teach the truth because he understands something that I think we have forgotten. Okay? We have gotten, we have gotten, uh, not we as a church, but we as individuals have listened to the, to the, and drank the Kool-Aid of the narrative that's out there. That everybody's okay. God loves everybody. God's going to save everybody. Everybody's going to heaven because if I'm a, just a really good guy, a really good woman, I'm going to be okay. And that's just not true. That's not what God says. Okay? You have to ask yourself, okay, am I going to listen to what a bunch of a bunch of this stuff is going on out there, or am I going to listen to what God says? What is it that God says? And he said, he said, I am willing to endure. You will not do this unless you're convinced that what you have is the truth. You are not going to endure everything that Satan can throw at you for the elect's sake if you believe everybody is elect and everybody's going to heaven. Okay? Because what's the point? I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we move on. What struggles have you endured for the sake of the elect or sake of God's people? You know, there's some debate about what this elect means. Okay? This is, I believe, that it's the elect that God chose from the foundation of the earth. That doesn't mean handpicked. That means he has chosen the he has chosen the opportunity for people to be elect from the very beginning of time. Not who it's going to be, but that it, it that it is involved people. Okay, that people are involved. That people can can come to him. We know what it, what is in, involved. I have to be obedient to the gospel. I have to be obedient to the truth. I have to be obedient to him. I have to be willing to let him tell me what to do and I have to do that. If I do that, then I'm then I can be a part of the elect because God will make me part of the elect. He will he will he will adopt me, pull me out of the world, and adopt me and put me in in his in his family. Okay, and he says here he said I've endured all things for the sake of the elect so that they might gain salvation as well. Was Paul confident in his salvation? Do you think? Yeah, he's willing to be in jail for it. They're gonna cut his head off. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna cut his head off. Now history says that that he died. By, by them decapitating him. Okay? He's willing to do that for a for a joke, for a for just some something he made up. Is, are you kidding me? At some point said, oh guys, 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 I'm okay. I'm good. Surprise! I didn't really I didn't really mean it all. Wouldn't he have said that if he if he didn't really believe it? At some point, he believed this. He said, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. So that they might gain salvation. My my question to you is, what struggles have you endured for the sake of the elect? Mm -hmm. Rejection from family. Rejection from family. Okay. How did that? Uh, how did that? Uh, uh, how did how did that help the elect? How do you think? How did it? 
in your life or in, in the lives of others? How did that, how did that happen? You know, I know that 2,000 years later, we're reading this text. And it's very encouraging to me that Paul was willing to be in jail and being chained up. I know that they couldn't chain the truth. They couldn't chain the truth when he was in Philippi. When he got thrown in jail there, him and, him and Silas got beat up beforehand. They put him in there, and they're in there singing and praying, and, 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 and the, the Spirit comes and opens the doors. And, and, and that day, the church of Philippi is really started by the, with the Philippian jailer and Lydia and all the rest of them. He is not, he's not afraid. Because he believes in what he what he's doing, so how did that how did it influence how did it impact the elect? You think? Well, family, I mean, you get comforts and joys and all kind of things there, but it's just temporarily okay. compared to what Jesus is offering you is eternal. All right, you know, and it's every day. Living for Him, and enjoying your salvation. Okay, you can share it with others. All right. Anybody else? What struggled? Have, yeah, Larry. You don't know how to instantly. Yeah. It may be years from now mm-hmm. how that affects you. Yeah. You just don't always aren't always able to see. Put yourself in, in Paul's place as he is as he is in jail. Where do you think his focus is on a daily basis? Where do you think his focus is? Tell me what where your focus would be. If you were in jail and you were Paul in that day and time and you're right there and, and you know that what you're doing is truthful, you know it's right, you know that God's got you in jail for a reason, what would your focus be? Hmm? God? What else? What would you put? Jim get says out. God. Huh? Get released or get out. Oh, to get out? Okay. Okay. Yes. He didn't know that. He had no clue. But what, he, what he's focused on at this point, he's focused on Timothy and the church and the places where he's been. You know, Getting out is probably the least of his work because this is the second time. He knows he's not getting out. So he can't focus on getting out because he knows he's not going to get out. All right, He knows that this is it. He, he's already said, I'm done. I know that my time is up. I know the time is short. He knows that. So what's his focus going to be? I'm going to focus on, I'm going to make sure that I perpetuate the truth of the gospel every chance I get, anywhere I am. How can I, how can I impact, impart that kind of attitude in my own life? How can I do that? How can I make sure that the people around me, the, the elect, those in the family or those that are outside the family, how can I make sure that what I'm enduring, that I endure it because of their well-being and not my own? What am I willing to do? You know, how can I how can I make sure of that? Quit focusing on the things you can't do anything about. Quit focusing on the stuff that don't mean nothing, okay? Don't focus on, I'm going to focus on, you know, you know what this is? Any of you have any idea what this is? Don't know? I'll read it. It's a fall congregational Bible reading schedule. Okay? If I just do this, if I decide, you know, for the for the week of September 4th through the 10th, that's tomorrow through next week, through next Sunday, you're going to read Genesis 12 through 34 and Psalm 4 through 10. That's a lot of reading. That's a lot of reading. What do you think is going to happen when you decide to do this? What do you think will happen? Tell me. What do you think will happen? Do you think that at some point you'll start to the focus will start to change? You think it might? Yeah. The focus of what you're of what of what winds your clock up, what aggravates you, 
what really ticks you off is going to change, you think? Right. Maybe not the first week. Maybe not the second week. Maybe not the third week. What about the sixth month? What about the seventh, eighth month that you've done this? And you're about three-fourths of the way through the Bible by now. You know what it says about the Bible? You know what it says about it? Faith comes by hearing and hear how? Hearing by the Word of God. Jesus said, the words I spoke will judge you in the last day. Okay? This is all part of the gospel, guys. This is all part of the plan of salvation. And if I'm willing to do whatever it takes, I'm willing to go wherever I'm supposed to go. Maybe I have to endure this. For some of us, this is going to be a real challenge. Right? You think? How many of you, for this, is going to be a real challenge? To read. I mean, you're talking about reading uh, 22 chapters in the book of Genesis. 22 chapters. You're, yeah. you're talking about reading about seven, eight chapters in the book of Psalms. Okay? That's like that's like 35 chapters you're going to read in a week. Man, there's some of us ain't read 35 chapters of nothing in our whole life. <laughs> you know? Yes, ma'am. Yep, yep. You know, you know what he what he says, and I think in Proverbs, where we we were there Friday night. It says, "No, I, this is one I'm putting together for next week." He said, "Go out and buy the truth, no matter what it costs. Go buy the truth." There's a lot of people out there teaching you stuff that's not true. So I'm going to endure reading and understanding the truth because of even by what even what it's going to cost me because because it's going to be good for the elect's sake. It's going to be good for those out there that maybe are not elect at this point, that maybe are going to, what about your children? What about your children? You know what's sad? I, I challenge some of you older folks. Come over here this afternoon after service. Come over here. Okay? I dare you. Come over here and just come over there and sit with them and watch what happens. Watch what they're doing with these kids over here. Just watch. It'll make you want to crawl in a hole somewhere, right? Right. Especially when you find out that one of those kids challenged somebody at school with one of those very verses. <laughs> one of mine did that. <laughs> did his own mom. Told his own mom. Hey, this is what. And I'm going, wow, I know where you learned that. You know, it'll, it'll humble you. It'll humble you, man. It will. To listen, to watch those kids stand up here. And these little bitty kids are quoting scripture after scripture after scripture. And they've memorized this stuff. Are you kidding me? I challenge anyone. Take pick five out of here. Five of the smartest guys. Put them up here and give them a verse to see if they can, see if they can read. I will endure whatever it takes. For who? For the sake of the, for the, sake of the elect. So that they might, they might experience salvation. For Paul, it was all about salvation. He knew that life was terminal. He knew it was not it was not going to be go on and on. At some point for him it was going to it was going to be over. If at some point for you it's going to be over. And if I asked you if you died right now, this day, today, on the way home, would you go to heaven? And you know absolutely for sure you would. Could you say yes? If the answer is, I don't know, maybe so, I hope so. I'm not sure. No. I wouldn't. Then you've got a problem. You got a problem. The gospel was put in place so that you'll know for sure that you have it. All I have to do is be obedient to him. All right, somebody have their hand up. Yes, ma'am. I just wanted to say, if you are having problems reading that much, uh -huh. that app that they told us to download is amazing. 
I'm too old. No, you're not. I'm too old. You're younger than I am. You're <laughs> younger than I am. Hey, <laughs> I, I got that paper, so I know exactly what I'm supposed to read. I'm going to start reading it tomorrow. I'm going to start reading it. I'm, I'm going to read it. I don't, I don't no. need an app to tell me. You know, my thing is, if I can't discipline myself enough without an app, What's the difference in that and having the book in front of you? There's well, not. Yeah. <laughs> There's not. It's okay. You it's... gotta open both. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I tell you what. Do it however it makes you comfortable. But endure whatever you're gonna endure. And if your mindset is I'm gonna endure it for the sake of the elect, you're gonna be able to get to it. I don't care if it's marriage problems. I don't care if it's money problems. Maybe God has you in a position right now where you have no clue why. Why am I in this position? I'm a good person. I, why would God do this to me? I don't have any idea. I have no idea. But what I do know, if the, if the focus is right, if it's right, you know what's going to happen? Good's going to happen. It may not happen today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month, maybe not in your lifetime. Maybe at some point somebody raised up and said, I remember what, I remember what, way back then, I remember this. Okay? I remember because of this and because of what they went through with this. And you're making an impact on people. You think you're making an impact on people today? You think any of you are making an impact on people today? I make them what? Bad. Crickets? I make them bad. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're making an impact? I tell you, no matter who you are, no matter what state you are in your life, you're making an impact on somebody in your life. Good or bad, you're making an impact. Okay, look at what else he said. Look. Let's go on. He said, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know what we do? We focus on the people right around us, usually. We focus on our children, our families. That's, that's what, we, what we should do. We focus on, I want to do everything I can do and endure whatever I have to endure for my grandkids' sake so that they have every opportunity to make the right decisions in their life. I, I'm, I want to focus that way. I want, them, I want them to have every opportunity. I want them to see positive things in me, powerful stuff in me, so that they can be elevated. I want the church to be able to see things in me that, that I endure and go through in spite of. You know, I mean, when I mean, we went through it. We've gone through a lot in our family. There's other families that have gone through it, going through it. Some of you going through it now, going through a lot of stuff in your life. And, and when they, people see you endure it for the sake of the gospel, because that's the right thing to do. Because it is the right person. You're supposed to. You're supposed to be obedient and focused and godly, no matter what happens. And if you do that, somebody's going to look at you and say, "I wish I could be like that." And you say, "Oh no, no, no! Don't follow me. That's not." Paul said, "You imitate me as I imitate Christ." If I'm imitating Christ, then I want somebody to imitate me. I want them. It's not arrogance. I just I, because that's what Paul said. Paul said, "You imitate me as I imitate Christ." And if I'm imitating Christ then do, shouldn't you want your kids to, to follow you if you're imitating what Jesus did? Should, don't you want them following? Or you want them following some knucklehead at school? Which one would you rather them follow? You or somebody else? If they don't know enough about Jesus, what do you want them to do? I want them to follow me. I want them I want them to look at me and say, I want to be like that. I want to be like that individual right there. Not even knowing what they're talking about, why they're talking like that. But I want, I want them to have an option. So look at what else he said. And then verse 11. Some people say this is a song. I think it's just Paul's, just uh, of the way that Paul wrote, wrote here. And we're going to look at these things because I think this is really important to solidify and tell you this is what the gospel is. Look at what he said. He said, if we died, this, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. 
If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I'm going to go to the last one first. Okay. Jesus Christ cannot change who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He is the mediator between God and man. He is the sacrifice that God put on the cross so that we can have life. He cannot change that. No matter what, no matter what you do, he cannot change that. If you're faithless and have no faith at all, he will always stay the same. Okay? Never going to change him. You know, I, and that, why is that appealing? Because everybody in this room changes from moment to moment. You change at the whim of, the, at, the, at the whim of doctrine. You change at the blowing of the wind. You change. Right? We all do that. Jesus ain't never going to change. How many of you have had life-changing episodes in your in your life in the last month? Have you had things that have changed? How many of you got little kids? How many of you sent them to school? You sent them to school? You had a life-changing. Summer, it's been one way. Now, all of a sudden, poof, everything's shaken. Right? Had to buy them clothes and backpacks and all this stuff. We've already ruined a backpack already. We already had to go buy another backpack for one of them. You know, things change all the time, always changing, right? Sometimes it's dramatic, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just facts of life. Sometimes it's just the way life goes, that, that it goes that way, okay? And and everything that everything that happens negatively in our life, Satan is using that stuff to try to get you unfaithful. God says no matter if you choose that way or not, he said, I'm going to stay faithful always. He'll always be faithful. So I always have that to hold on to, okay? Yeah, Jim? Oh, yes, ma'am. Very least physically, we are constantly changing. That's the definition of life. Mm -hmm. Some of us, <laughs> some of us, uh, it's more pronounced than others. If you're young, you're looking around and say, well, everything's going fine. Just wait. Just wait. It, it won't be that way forever, I promise you. Gravity's going to take over, everything's going to fall. And one of these days you're going to try to get out of bed and you're going to say, uh-oh, that ain't working so good anymore. Right? Right? Yeah. Or you're going to be like Naomi and all of a sudden one day you're not anything like you were the day before and now the prospects down the road are completely changed. So life changes, doesn't it? God says, I don't change at all. You stay faithful to me, I will never change. He said, and he said, but if you're faithless, he said, remember something, even the faithless can acknowledge that Jesus is always going to be faithful. But let's go to the other ones. These are important. Look at what he said. If we died with him, we will also live with him. What does it mean for you? What did it mean for you that you died to him? What did that mean? And we're going to go look at a text. We're going to go look at Romans in a minute. But you know, so you can you can start turning over there. Turn to Romans chapter six if you want to start turning over there. Uh, but I want to know what does it mean when he says, "If we died with him, if we died with him, we will also live with him." Okay. What is what does that mean? Now, whether we get through this verse, I don't, I'm not sure. We're going to try. Okay. What does that mean, Judy? I think it means when you die with him, your old self mm -hmm. dies, and you come back. New. Okay. All right. Did y'all hear that? She said when your old self dies, when you, you, when you die with him, your old self dies, and you come back new. Okay. We're going to look at a text in just a minute. Anybody else? What do you think it means? What did it mean for you to die with him? Turn your life over to him. Jesus said in two different places. He said, unless you're willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. 
Don't call yourself one if you're not willing to do those three things. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's what he says. Okay? That means I have to abandon my life and live my life for him. I have to go towards him instead of going away from him. I've got to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. Now, look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died for sins once for all, but that the life he lived, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So now, what does it mean to die with him? It's exactly what Judy said. I, I killed, I put to death, buried the old man. The old Dan that lived before, he, I, he's gone. He died with him. So now if I if I've died with him, then I also will live with him. So what did that text say? Say if I died with him, I, I'm going to live with him. I'm going to be raised up to live in newness of life, a new life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone, the new is come. The last text, verse in that text says Jesus went to the cross and became what he was not so that you could become something you could never be. He became sin for us on the cross so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's what it says. Okay? So I have an opportunity now for life to change. This is the gospel, guys. This is the gospel that maybe you don't know how to, and you don't know how to express it, but that's the gospel. That is me being a part of that gospel. Okay? And he said, he said if I've died with him, then I'll also live with him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So if you died with him, then if I asked you, if you died today, did you go to heaven? Raise your hand. Right? You should raise your hand. Right? Because it doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you've done everything right. doesn't mean that. It means that if you have died with him, Jesus has done what Jesus does to make you in a, in a right relationship with him. Okay? It's not about you. It's not about what you've done or haven't done. I, I, I came to Jesus on his terms, and I allowed him to kill me spiritually bury that old man, and rise me up to walk in newness of life. Okay? Now, we could talk about this for hours. We could talk about the blood. We could talk about the sacrifice. Please, guys, do this. And if you do this, I won't have to. I won't have to take you through it. Because you're, you know what you're going to see? You know what you're going to see in this, in this reading next week? You know what you're going to see? You're going to see... Abraham be commanded by God to take his son up on a mountain and sacrifice his son. That's what you're going to read. That's in part of that in, of next week. You're going to read that. He's going to take this son who had been promised. He'd been promised his whole life. He'd been promised his son. His name was going to, was going to be Isaac. His name is Isaac. And he's promised this, this boy. And God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, and I want you to take him out on the mountain, and I want you to kill him and, and offer him to me. Sounds like, What? You know what Abraham does? He does it. He does it. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see a type and anti-type of Christ himself, of Jesus taking 
of Jesus being taken up on a mountain and God sacrificing his son so that you and I could live. You know what it says? If you, you're not going to read this next week, but you know what it's going to say in Hebrews chapter 11? It's going to talk about that very event that you're going to read about. You're going to read about in this, in this, this text. You're going to read about it. And you know what it's going to say? That Abraham did it. Well, we know he didn't do it. Yes, he did. Well, no, he did. Yes, he did. He was like this, and the angel of the Lord stopped him. And he said, stop. Now I know that you won't withhold anything from me. And he provided a ram over in the bushes, and he killed that instead. And you know what it says in Hebrews 11? Abraham decided in his heart that God could raise that boy back from the dead. And so in a figurative sense, what it says, in a figurative sense, he got him back from the dead. Wow. That's what you're going to read. And you're going to look at that and say, well, how does that fit with anything? That's what he did with me. He raised me from the dead. Brought me back to life. A spiritual life. So if I died with him, I can also live with him. So now, the, the obvious response is to do what? I'm going to live for him. I'm going to endure everything for the sake of the elect. I'm going to live for him in everything. And then look at, back at what he said. Look at what he says in, in, in 2 Timothy. If we endure, we will also reign with him. That means if I stay faithful to him, if you stay faithful to him, not become faithless, but if you stay faithful to him, you know what you're going to get to do? You get to reign with him. You know, I told you a while ago there was a there was a text, and it says that the the the, uh, the prophets they long to understand, they, they long to know what you know, they long to understand the thing. You know what else it says? It says even angels long to look at them things. What you take for granted, what you look at and only only think about on Sunday, they long to understand. Angels that God has created long to know what you know. Which says that's amazing. I know things that the angels don't have any clue about. They see the evidence, but they don't have any understanding of this like I do, like you do, like you have the opportunity to. The gospel should be everything to his people. It should be what winds us up in the morning, what, what puts us to sleep at night, and we're focused all the time on how am I going to encourage and, and edify and point people to that gospel because I know the only thing that can save them is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the plan of God's salvation for them. It's the only thing to say. Not only my children, my grandchildren, but everybody I know. People I walk in, that I come in contact with in Walmart or wherever I'm at. Or I go to the hospital and I come in contact. You know, we we went in the hospital a lot when uh, when uh, Daniel Guajardo was in there. And me, we almost died a few times. Cold, and we're in there a lot. And every time we got in there, we prayed with him. And we held hands. And you know how many times? We had uh, numerous times that there were doctors and nurses in there that prayed with us. They prayed with us in there. We held hands with. We had one time. One guy said, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to join him." Okay, we prayed anyway. We were praying for Sid a couple of days before he died. We were in there. and We were praying with, and the and the nurse walked in and, and we said, "Come on, you can join us." And she did. You can have an impact everywhere you go, everywhere if your focus is right. If you're focused on what's the saving message, it's about Jesus dying and God planning salvation. That's the gospel. That's how important it is. He said, if you endure all this stuff, he said, I'll reign with him. It means he's going to take me home. And I don't know what that means exactly, but I sure don't want to be on the other end of that. I don't want to be what it says next. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, if I disown him, he will also disown me. If you look at Matthew chapter 10, and you and you look, like, I want you to turn over there. Look at Matthew chapter 10 for a second. Because he said, if, 
He said, if we disown him, he will also disown us. What do you think that means? What do you think it means to disown him? Walk away? What do you think it means to disown him? He said, if you disown me, I will disown you. If you disown him, he will disown you. What does it mean? Better to have never known. Okay, that's what it says in 2 Peter. Better to have never known than to walk away. Right? What do you, what do you think it means? Shamed of him. Huh? Shamed of him. Okay, be ashamed of him. That's what this text is going to say in Matthew chapter 10. What do you think it means to, to disown him? Do you think that's a that's a, a, a that's a thing? Well, that's just a points of time when I don't really acknowledge him. Is that what, or is this about walking away? I think it's walking away because in order to disown, you had to you have known him first in okay. order to deny. How? Kelly, how important are your kids to you? They're everything. Right? You, you, you guys changed your whole life during COVID because of your faith. Did you change your whole life? Yeah. Because that baby was so important to her and to him. You know, how important you think this should be to us? How important you think you are to God? How important you think we are to God? How important, guys? You know, would you ever, ever, and I know I know the answer, you'd never, ever walk away from your child, would you? Now, you may say no, and you may have to back off and say, okay, fine, go do what you think you need to do. Go ahead. Because if you have kids and they get older, you will have to do at some point. you got to say, okay, fine. Do you think you're so smart? Go ahead. You'll find out. Yeah. You might have to do that. But okay? you're not walking away from them. No, you're not. Walking they walking away from you. Yes. But, you know, we wouldn't do that, would we? Then why is it that we will, that we will disown and be ashamed of the one who saved your life? Look at what it says in, in Matthew chapter 10, and look at verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. You know what I want him doing with me? I want him talking to God, the Father, all the time about me. I want him talking all the time. Say, man, look at that. Man, look, see, you remember Job? You remember him? You know, remember what God says about Job? Satan comes around. Comes around. God says, where you been? He said, I've been wandering around, seeing what kind of mischief I can get into. He said, man, did you see my servant Job? Ooh, is he something or what? Man, he's something. Isn't it? Then he said, didn't that what he said? Go read the text. Go read chapter one. Man, he's something. Hey, the only reason he's like that is because you got your hands on him. Take your hands off of him, see what happens. Okay, go ahead. And what Satan commences to tear his life apart, right? Tear his life up. Loses all his kids, loses all his stuff. And then Satan comes back and God says, Hey, what about my servant Job? He said, You got a hedge around him, man. I can't get to him. Because God already told him, He said, You can't hurt the man. Now he says, okay, fine. You can hurt him, but you can't kill him. What? What? I thought he liked us. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you like your kids, I would. you're not going to say, okay, Satan, have that. And now he's sitting on a, on a, on a rock with a piece of pottery scrape, scraping boil. You ever had a boil? Painful, right? He had him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And he had eight boy. Satan tore him up. And you know what he says in chapter 17 after his so-called friends come to him? You know what he says? I wish that my life could be written down on a scroll or hammered out on a rock. He said, because I know that my Redeemer lives. He lost his children. He lost all of his stuff. He's a wealthy man. lost all of his stuff. All of his kids get killed in one event. They're all wiped out. Wiped them out. And his wife says, oh, 
wonderful lady. Just a wonderful human being. She says, why don't you just curse God and die? Really? That's what, that's what you want from your wife to say? Why don't you just give it up? Just go ahead and die. You ain't no good anyway. That, that's what she's saying. So he's got nobody. The only one he's got is God. You know what you got, guys? The only one you got is God. You got nobody else. Nobody else. You don't have anybody else. You don't have anybody else. That's it. You've only got God. Everybody else, everybody else will abandon you. He said, why in the world would you not acknowledge him? And then he says here, he said, but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. How in the world can you walk away from the one, the only one who can save God? You know, if I'm if I'm out in the, in, the, in the lake and I'm drowning, I don't care if I like you or not. As long as your black jack, black preserver floats, I'm grabbing. I don't care if you like me, you don't like me. I'm grabbing a hold of whatever you're throwing at me, as long as it'll float. Because the, because the prospect is I'm not going to be saved if I don't. God loves me. I am not going to disown him in front of in front of anybody. I'm not going to I'm not going to not acknowledge him. I'm going to acknowledge him everywhere I go. Now I may have to change my approach in certain situations, but I'm going to realize the only thing that matters here is spreading the gospel. The only thing that matters. And if people aren't going to be saved, if they don't hear the gospel, I'm not I'm going to take it personally that they didn't hear if they didn't hear from me that I'm going to change that. I'm going to teach the gospel to them because it's that important, guys. You need to understand that. So Grab one of these back there and start reading. And I promise you, you are going to read some things that you've probably never seen before. Because you know what? I'm going to read it, and I'm going to find some things. And I've studied it a lot. And I'll find some things that I have written for you. We're going to pick it up here. We're going to look at, at false teachers. From now till probably the end of the chapter, end of the book, it's going to talk about false teachers. And, man, guys, do we have a ton of them. Woo! Man, we have got some false teachers out there teaching some stuff. You cannot believe the things they're teaching. If you ain't listening to it, it's because you don't want to know. All right? We'll see you next week, guys. We're going to start that. Huh? They're in, on the information center. Whole stack of them back here. Thank you, Yeah, Dad said, let's stop and get something to eat real quick.